With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Marjorie Papps, the host of Caregiver Speak, the first online support group for caregivers. I am eCare Diaries caregiving expert and the co-author of Enrich Your Caregiving Journey and the author of a newly released book, Words of Care. Both of these books can be found on eCareDiary.com, on my website, MyCaregivingCoach.com, and on Amazon. The purpose of our show is to provide practical information and insight for caregivers. Today, I'm joined by Deborah Dinocenzo, who is the founder of Connexacare. Deborah has long been a leader in forging effective ways in the virtual world and helping people work from afar. Um, she did that years ago, and uh, as many of you probably know, uh, working at home has become even more the standard since that time. Deborah is currently exploring caring from a distance and is looking at how caregivers can manage from a distance and providing resources for them. Deborah will be sharing her insights today on caregiving as a gift. Welcome, Deborah. Well, thanks, Marjorie. I'm, I'm very pleased to be here with you today. Well, I'm delighted that you are. I should um, also tell our listeners that you and I have been professional colleagues and personal friends for a number of years. And um, Deborah was indeed a leader in uh, leadership, in management, and in the virtual world, as I mentioned earlier. And I've always really been proud of her accomplishments. And now she is uh, forging into caregiving, uh, born from her own personal experience. And so we want to hear about that, I think, early on. So when we first spoke, Deborah, about your caregiving experience with your mother, you mentioned the word gift. And using that word in the context of caregiving, it really inspired me, and I want you to tell our listeners what you mean by this. Sure. Uh, I think when we talked about that, I had just been coming out of an experience <clears throat> where I had um, had some pretty intense caregiving for my mother, uh, two different episodes. Um, fortunately, she came through those, and she just turned 81 and is doing really quite well. But um, I think where I was coming from with that <clears throat> is that when we're immersed in caregiving, it's easy to, to see the challenges, the difficulties, um, the sheer exhaustion. I remember one of the times my mother was in the hospital and um, I just sort of moved right into her room and stayed with her. She really was not very well. And I was struck by how exhausted I was and I wasn't sick. So, you know, the empathy that I had for her, who she was very sick, and um, and I found cognitively even I noticed I wasn't thinking all that clearly, and I wasn't sick. And so um, 
but it's it's hard work, and uh, we're we're tired, and there's there's just so many things coming at you. But I think it's important when we can to step back from it and to maintain our perspective to to realize that whatever the outcome, this too shall pass. But in the meantime, to focus where we can on the upsides, to count the blessings in all of this, and to look for opportunities to feel gratitude for the experience that you're having, and to realize that you're experiencing this because there's something that you need to gain from this. It is a gift for you in a way, but it's very hard to see that when you're in the midst of it. And caregiving provides the opportunity for you as a caregiver to give the gift of your time, your energy, your love to the person that you're caring for. So caregiving creates the gift of the opportunity to be there for your loved one and to help them through this time of need. So you're giving a gift, but in many ways you're receiving a gift by having this opportunity to be a caring person. And and while it might not be apparent, um, this really is appreciated and what you're doing is very important. So it just uh, came to me as we were talking and, and I just characterized it as a gift. Yes, yes. And so um, you mentioned the gratitude and the learning. Um, I would agree with that totally and in spades. I felt the same way when I was a caregiver. Tell us specifically what one or two gifts you really received from that challenge of caregiving with your mother. Well, um. For me, uh, I really, I had a very unique gift. Um, twice when I've been with my mother, uh, when she's been in the hospital, um, she is still alive today because I was there. Now, that's really pretty overt in terms of a gift. Um, I mean, it one time sure she is. was. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, um, they were on the verge of mismedicating her. And uh, another time, her blood sugar had dropped to like 32, which, you know, only because I happened to still be awake at 2.30 in the morning and working in her hospital room with my computer and my printer. And, you know, I just moved my whole office there. But I wanted to be there with her. And, um, I, you know, she woke up and I realized she was completely delirious. And <clears throat> But she would not have, she wasn't coherent enough to even ring a bell to call a nurse. So she would have died there that night. Mm-hmm. And so... <clears throat> um, so that's certainly been a gift for me, and um, so to to be there for her to me is just enough of a gift. I, I also care for my uncle, um, who has Alzheimer's, and he's in a a um, extended care facility right now. So he doesn't live with me, and I don't care for him in that way. Uh, but I um, I have his power of attorney, and I take care of all of his financial matters and his his medical matters, and and um, so, uh, and he still remembers me. That's a good thing. I know eventually I'll stop to visit him, and he, you know, won't know who I am. But uh, for me, it's of uh, the opportunity to see that he's well cared for, and just for him to smile when he sees me when I just stop in. And, you know, I don't have to do a lot for him. You know, it takes a fair amount of time to handle all of the other things. But um, to know that uh, he is in a better place through some of my efforts, those are gifts 
for me. Yeah, and I know, and I'd, I'd love for you to share this with our listeners. I know that um, you built some bricks and you you worked with some bricks with your uncle, and I think this is an absolutely grand story. And for me, as your friend, and listening to this story, I would guess that this was a gift as well. Why don't you tell our listeners about it? This has been a lot of fun, actually. So my uncle, who just turned 91 last month, uh, and your typical, in many ways, Alzheimer's patient, still strong of body, and... um, and happy where he is, so that's a really good thing. Uh, he was a, um, a stonemason, but as he would tell you, he was a bricklayer. And um, so uh, while he's well cared for and he's in a lovely facility, the activities that they have in a lot of these facilities um, are more female-centric, I would say, uh, and kind of boring. Uh, and... It's hard for for guys especially, you know, you can't have tools in these places because they're dangerous and other people can access them or they could, you know, hurt themselves or throw them at each other. And so you can't really have a workshop, not like a senior living facility. And um, so um, a couple of years ago, my uncle was still well enough that I brought him over to my house. We have a lot of stone around our house. And I said, hey, I want you to help me point this, this stone, and you need to teach me how to do this because, you know, you won't be here forever. He used to point the stone for me. So literally, as we're mixing, he was mixing the mortar, he's, and he's getting his hands in the pouring water in and and mixing. Of course, you know, he wouldn't, like, stir with anything. He used his hands. He was, like, transformed. It took him back to a place where, you know, he spent years and years, decades of his life doing this. And um, he was, for the next two and a half hours, we went around my house and we pointed stone and he showed me how to do things. And and uh, if we had to get on uh, up higher, I told him he wasn't, couldn't get on the ladder, but he could watch me do it and, you know, get, tell me how I did it. And um, so I realized that, you know, he needed to be able to do something where he could get his hands in mortar. And, um, but, you know, bricks are too big to play around with and heavy. And so I looked online. I found all these little bricks for, like, dollhouses, but they're too small because, you know, he's got big hands. And so long story short, I uh, ran into a potter who had these, these bricks he was selling with his pots. And uh, I said, hey, where did you get these bricks? And he said, well, I make them. And uh, they were regular-sized bricks, so he just uh, he makes them in his kiln. So I said, could you make me smaller bricks? So we basically um, figured out the right size. These bricks are about one-ninth the size of a regular brick, and but, you know, pretty much the same dimensions. And um, so I had him make several hundred of these and uh, got a bag of mortar, took my uncle to Home Depot with me, and we got the mortar and a few little tools and... Uh, so we've been making these little brick planters, and we set up a little <laughs> workshop in his room, so it's locked, and you know other people can't get to it. And um, I had hoped that he could. This would be an activity he could just do on his own, but he's not really well enough to initiate that. Uh, but when we have done that, and I've got some fabulous pictures, um, and uh, when we have, so we do that together. And again, you know, it takes time on my part, but um, so almost all of the uh, my cousins now have uh, a memento of his and I have him sign them after they're done and they're just uh, you know little squares of 
uh, these little bricks with mortar in them, mm-hmm. but I let him do them. And, you know, yes. I'm just there to guide, but he actually does yes. them himself. That's great. This is a grand story. And, you know, um, our listeners who are faithful listeners and tune in most weeks know that we spend some time in a recurring theme on getting involved in the arts. And mm-hmm. so this, in my mind, is, you know, losing yourself in the artistic and making every moment count. Um, and, you know, just before the, the show started today, you mentioned a quote to me about making oh, every yes. moment count, a quote that you had found uh, that Gilda Radner had written. Would, would you uh, share that with us, Deborah? Yes. Literally, this this flashed on my screen about an hour before the show, and it was posted by a friend of mine whose brother was just diagnosed with brain cancer, and um, I grew up with him. He's he's only 62, um, <clears throat> and she posted this today, and I, I think this captures so much of what we're talking about. Gilda Radner, who we all remember died from um, ovarian cancer, said, I wanted a perfect ending. Now I've learned the hard way that some poems don't rhyme and some stories don't have a clear beginning, middle, and end. Life is about not knowing, having to change, taking the moment, and making the best of it without knowing what's going to happen next. (laughs) It's wonderful. Well, it That's is, and it's applicable on so many levels, but when it comes to oh, caregiving, yeah. and I think flexing, you know, the story about my uncle and the bricks uh, is yeah. just a matter of saying, well, you know, how can we get his hands in mortar and what could we do? So it it took uh, some creative thinking to, because, well, so we need little bricks, but we don't need mini bricks, and how can we get those? <laughs> exactly. and, and, you know, I've so bumped into this potter, so it's a matter of, you know, you, you attract from the universe what you, in, what you need. You just have yeah. to put it out there. You have to find it. You have to research, and you have to adapt. You have to adapt. Yeah. You have to adapt your resources. And, uh, yes. Now, yes. speaking of adapting, I know also that your mother and father uh, live in Florida a good bit of the year, and you're up in Pennsylvania. <laughs> And so yes, what's I know wrong, what's wrong that, with that picture? I'm not sure. You know, I think anyway. <laughs> it's 14 well, that's degrees. It's another show, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I know that you're uh, caregiving from a distance, and that has really put a challenge for you on speaking of adapting resources. So, tell us a little bit about that as well. Well, you know, we're not all fortunate enough to be on site with those that we have to care for. And, um, you know, when my my parents are in Pennsylvania, I'm here. And obviously, you know, if anything happened to my mother, we would put her on an air ambulance and get her back here because all of her doctors are here and I'd be here. But... um, but a lot of many people need support. Uh, they need advocacy. Uh, they need caring. And those who can provide that aren't there with them. They're someplace else. And so this could involve just oversight and coordination of medical care, uh, coordination of other support services, and someone to help them at home with uh, tasks that need to be done or basic hygiene, or just checking in with your loved one. Um, with a phone call or increasingly now we have these really cool technologies available 
that allow for more engaging video drop-bys, as I like to call them, through services like Skype and FaceTime. And, you know, we've, we've figured that out. I've always said, even in, in my other work for the last 17 years on the virtual workplace, I've often said to groups of grown adults, well, if you need to know how to do this, find somebody under the age of 15 and they'll teach you how to do it very easily and they won't have to read the manual. And so, you know, I think if we look to what, you know, young people are doing and the ways that they're connected, now this doesn't mean everybody needs to be tweeting with their, you know, the elder family members, um, but take from it, adapt. So what can we take from that experience? And so um, I kind of forced my mother, if you will, to start using an iPhone. Um, she hated it initially. She wanted her old flip phone back. And... Um, I wouldn't give it back to her. Well, now the good news is she uses an iPhone and she uses an iPad, and she has a new grandchild. She loves seeing these pictures on the iPad. But here's the really cool thing. Now, not only can I FaceTime with her, but when I visit my uncle, I can FaceTime so that my uncle <clears throat> can see my father, his brother, my, and my father has the opportunity to kind of check in on his uncle. Even though I'm here, that visual connection is really important for people. And mm. so, um, so I think we can push the envelope a lot more than we are, uh, have been, on caring from a distance and leveraging those technologies uh, to not only connect with care providers and service providers, but just a daily phone call or a daily uh, you know, checking in by video. And I just want to mention here that there are a lot of assistive devices that help make some of these technologies easier to use for people who aren't as familiar with them. Yeah. And that's worth looking and, you know, into as well. Deborah, also, when you mentioned um, people under 15, what popped into my mind is this is a perfect opportunity to get the generations working together or being together. Uh, a lot is being made of making sure that older people get to mix and be with younger people, mm-hmm. that you know the levels of benefit are many. And so this would be yet another way, the, the older person not mentoring but learning from the younger person and then having Absolutely. the benefit of this kind of technology. So, Well, let me just tell you, give you another quick example here. Um, we use another service um, that's free, uh, like Skype. It's called Zoom.us, and it's a video service like Skype. And um, back in November, uh, my daughter turned 20. And, of course, you know, you hate that you're not there for their birthdays, you know. But she was in school in Virginia. I happened to be in Florida. Um, my husband was in Pittsburgh. My mother was in Pittsburgh on the other side of the city at her house. And um, I, my brother was in Rochester, New York with the new little baby. So long story short, we wanted to do something to connect to connect everybody, which we couldn't do just by phone, really. Who would? So we just scheduled a virtual birthday party on Zoom. Everybody dialed in. This is a service that allows you to have multiple um, images, multiple cameras. And um, I had a little cake there in Florida with a little candle in it. We all sang. We got to see the baby. And we got to see my baby, who was turning 20. And um, so, you know, imagine that. Now, my mother wasn't isolated, but she had her, she had her iPhone then, and she could, she, we could see her and she could see us because she had that technology. 
And so you've raised an excellent point, Marjorie, about um, enabling to connect the generations more. And again, it's adapting. This is where the young generation is and what they're comfortable with. So helping elders get more familiar with this technology will allow them to have more visitors. Okay, so if they're virtual visitors, they probably couldn't be there on site anyway because they live in another state or another country. So again, we're adapting. Exactly, exactly. Oh, wonderful, wonderful examples. And so tell us more, Deborah. How can caregivers take advantage of people and resources that might support them from a distance? Uh, Some thoughts on that. Well, uh, let me just say at the outset, as you approach all of this and the notion of caring from a distance, and and really in many ways I'm just exploring, you know, what what are the ways to do this and what are the smart ways to do this? Because as with all things technology, it can get very complicated. I remember I worked with an IT manager one time who uh, discovered some capability in uh, Word. Oh, it was... um, indexing a book. I had just written another book and I thought, well, why should I pay the indexer $700 to index the book? I could index the book. So um, I found out where in Word you could index a book. And I printed out the instructions. It was four pages. I read it and I immediately put that in the shredder because the complexity of that overwhelmed me. And I called the publisher and said, okay, hire that indexer. So this IT guy, when I was telling him about it, he said, well, Deborah, you have to remember something. There are more capabilities in Microsoft Word than the mere mortal could use in five lifetimes. And that's always stuck with me as I've been, with my emphasis on the virtual workplace, helping people figure out how to communicate, how to build teams, develop trust. We can make it really complicated, but we should keep it really simple. So starting with the premise of keep it simple, what's the lowest common denominator? Well, really, the lowest common denominator for what we're talking about in terms of connecting with people who need care, may be isolated, is the telephone. Almost everybody knows how to use a phone pretty easily. So can you get a phone that's easy to use that also adds video capability? Can you get a tablet or an iPad and not clutter it up with a bajillion apps Mm -hmm. that they don't need? Don't worry about them surfing the net if they don't even understand what the Internet is. So keep it simple. Look for the lowest common denominator. But push the envelope on, you know, how can you integrate that capability? Something like Zoom, for example, um, is so easy for people to use, and webcams are so inexpensive that adding video capability, Apple TV is another really good example of of a device that makes it very easy and large, so it can project onto a large screen. so, and look for those assistive devices. Uh, some of that stuff's right in iPads. You can go to uh, settings in iPad and make things easier to use. There are wraparound devices. Much as I you know, love iPads, and I've talked with the Apple people, and I've said, okay, now, but if you're 85 and you have trouble seeing and you have arthritic hands, uh, finding the on-off switch is, is no easy task. And whoever, whoever invented that swipe thing, 
I mean, swipe, exactly. Swiping is the least intuitive thing. And so um, you can actually you know, do some workarounds on that kind of thing. So I would say keeping it simple but looking for the, the ways that you can expand the, the ability to access people in a more engaging way um, will really help to, yeah. to minimize isolation and the loneliness factors that often characterize those who need care. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful advice. And uh, to build on that, I have a friend who is also a writer, um, but over the years has written less and less. Well, upon being introduced to Facebook, of course, she can write her little story every day, can't she? And more than one, perhaps. And right. <laughs> um, and and she was an English teacher, and 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 the master of the topic sentence. So of course, she loves Twitter. And so after she started doing Facebook, getting fairly good at that, to your point, then um, she said, well, what else is there? And I said, well, there's Twitter, and you can practice your topic sentences on Twitter. And she just loved it. So, you know, again, molding things, flexing things to what might be interesting to um, the older adult. Absolutely. And, you know, I think there's so many things we can explore down the road. Do you know there are like 47 online bridge games? And so I haven't figured this out yet, but I, so what I do is I kind of hold out a possibility. So my mother has a little bridge group here in Pittsburgh that she plays with, but she doesn't get to play with them all winter while she's in Florida. And so I ask the question, why not? What if they each had, you know, a computer or a device that would allow them to be real-time online playing bridge? They could see their hand. They could see what they're bidding. And she could still have her Thursday, her, her Thursday afternoon bridge game. Well, she could. You know, we haven't figured that out yet. And she doesn't mind not playing bridge. She has lots of other things to do, like sit in the sun in Florida. But, um, <laughs> you know, holding out the – or in the case of my uncle, how could I get him playing with mortar and building yeah. things? And it wasn't just getting his yeah. hands wet in mortar. It was making something, creating something, building it up. That's why mosaics yeah. didn't work for him. You know, yeah. he, was, he needed to build things up, not just kind of lay out little stones. Exactly. So what, what you know, and but every situation is different. So step back from it and say, you know, what does this what does this person need? It, it's a different form. It's adapting. It's not how it always was. But remember, mm-hmm. Gilda said, well, it's not going to be the way you thought it was going to be, and you have to flex with that. Yes, yes. Oh, wonderful. Well, now I don't know if you will believe this, but we have only about three minutes left, Deborah. Okay. So I, the half an hour goes. So quickly, Flies and this right has by. been so incredibly informative. Um, but I think the key theme today has been the uniqueness of every caregiver journey, and thinking about what does this person need, and then flexing the resources and so on. Is there any one question that you can pose for us that I haven't asked you, and then answer very quickly in a two or three minutes? Sure. Um, I think an important thing as we kind of helicopter above all of this and the big learnings are, um, <clears throat> you know, what um, what are the key things if people were going to walk away and say, okay, so how can I use this technology, what should I do, um, would be to just keep in mind 
that you want to determine the best, most, most accessible platform or, or technology. Um, so look around your family um, or the fr- group of friends. If people are using iPhones or iPads, then equip your loved one with a, a basic device to do FaceTime. And again, it doesn't have to be high, the most latest, greatest $750 version of that. Um, mm-hmm. Or do the same with Skype. Um, and then try to minimize the complexity of using mm-hmm. a computer or a device. Use touch screen wherever possible and try to avoid, um, as, you know, as we look at this with Connexicare, uh, what we're really hoping to emphasize is you know, no keyboarding. No mouse. Exactly. We, we don't need to do that. You know, that, and that people don't get. You know, I mean, wh- why they, mm-hmm. they? For some of them, don't know how to keyboard. Um, and look at those assistive devices and avoid exposure to unnecessary distracting um, applications um, or yes. a- aspects of the device. So those would be the key yes. things that I would say. Well, thank you so much for your expertise. I have no doubt that as you move forward in applying um, your expertise in technology and all things distance, that you will come up with some wonderful things for caregivers, wonderful applications. And I look forward to... What? We'll keep you posted on that. Oh, good. I was going to say, and um, we'll have you back on the show so that you can update us. And um, thank you again so much, Deborah Denisenzo, for being on the show. Thank I enjoyed you, it. Listeners. And um, we hope you tune in again every Tuesday for Empowering Family Caregivers and Caregivers Speak. This is Marjorie Pabst wishing you a wonderful rest of the day. Goodbye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.